Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Join me and many others from the Lean Design and Construction community at their 22nd Annual Congress. It is being held virtually this year, the week of October 19th. Our theme is the ABCs of Lean, transformation through actions, best practices, and coaching. Register at www.lcicongress.org forward slash 2020. Check the show notes for more information. Thank you, LCI. Now, to the show. Oh, hello, Bruce. Hi. My guest today is Mr. Bruce Cousins. Bruce and I have worked together many times in many different ways, and we've collaborated on a couple different things. I'm very happy to have Bruce on the show today to share some of his experiences with uh, building better in our industry. And I'll let Bruce go ahead and introduce yourself. Mr. Bruce Cousins, tell the audience who you are, a little bit about yourself. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, and we are shooting this in the afternoon. So um, I'm uh, basically um, have been involved with lean and lean construction and continuous improvement for the last 12 years or so. Um, we had a, uh, I came from a background, I'm an architect by training and practice for 30 some years and uh, joined up uh, as a national BIM manager for a general contractor and, um, and basically pushed forward when we didn't have words to talk about BIM, we got words to talk about lean. And so uh, those words uh, really give us a the benefit of understanding sequencing, uh, production planning, all those kinds of things, which we do both. We, we do both with lean and BIM combined. Um, we've been very happy with that combination. And uh, so, so we're um, uh, working around the country. Um, I'm basically located in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, having moved here recently from the Bay Area. Um, and so um, this is where we've been, uh, uh, as everyone knows, probably the Bay Area was kind of a hotbed for lean implementation and uh, an exciting place to be uh, because uh, Glenn Ballard and, and Iris uh, Tomlinson, Tomlin were, were in, uh, at, at uh, Berkeley at the P2SL lab and uh, in Stanford it was uh, Martin Fisher at SIFI. And so those two things were kind of our touchstones for most of the learning and uh, communication with others. We were uh, introduced through Glenn, I think, uh, uh, and through the Lean Construction Institute. So it's been a, a great learning experience for me. Uh, it's kind of a second career in a way. Uh, not even in a way, it is a second career. <laughs> yes, um, it is because I've been doing this now for, with working with project teams all over uh, Northern California when I was with 
Turner Construction after I left uh, the other company that I was working for. So that's a bit about me. Yeah, no, you got a great uh, backstory, Bruce. And and for those that don't know, yeah, Glenn is the common thread that put us working together about, what was it? Feels like about two and a half years ago, we were working on Last Planner 2.0. Yep. Yeah. And you were heading up one of the groups there. Uh, we did some really good work around what are some agile practices that we can bring into Last Planner system production pr control. Uh, for those that don't know, Last Planner colloquially in the industry is often referred to just as pool planning. Mm -hmm. But for those that do know, it means something so much more. Right. Or reverse phase planning. That's that's another common term that people use. <laughs> Um, but but I uh, will say that that was a very interesting interesting experience uh, and a very challenging one. Um, I my group was based on putting together Last Planner for design um, and design service providers, um, and that uh, it hasn't uh, the Last Planner by a practice uh, approach and principles. Uh, hasn't been widely accepted by the design uh, industry in general. And, and uh, so what we did is we have really were evaluating all of the reasons that people were resisting using Last Planner in design and through the design process. And so we refocused that a bit to really focus on the, a couple different parts of the design process. So the part that's the most iterative, of course, is the beginning phases. Uh, programming, of course, is pretty straightforward. You're, you're validating the program of the building. You're understanding what's going to go inside it and so on. That's not really where there's a problem. The problem is once you get through that phase and you have the design program in front of you, um, then the challenge is to really begin to look at how uh, that's represented as a physical thing, either a structure or um, uh, a combination of uh, aesthetics, structure, et cetera. And um, historically, the architects, um, there are two kinds of architects in effect. On one side, you have a design architect uh, who really has focused for many of, much of their career on the design side. That doesn't mean that they're not technically competent. It just means that they're they have a very good skill at integrating a lot of diverse things and bringing together uh, a design concept um, out of out of a lot of you know a variety of information, huge amount of information, and really starting something new. Um, people don't even uh, even a project like a data center or other kind of project that you might think is a fairly routine project. Uh, there's always issues with things involved with that that need to be integrated in the first design uh, in the in the design as it, as it is initiated and that we call the ideation phase and uh, we be, we really focused on that and uh, this is where uh, we began to link it up with the agile scrum mm. approach um, tell me more bruce one of my favorite topics I knew I could catch your interest. <laughs> yeah, you have my interest. A few years ago, um, we were we 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 have every winter the P2SL has a thing called the Design Forum, and a variety of us were struggling with this challenge of how to make um, 
how to make design uh, last planner more viable for the design phases. And one of the things that uh, we began doing was talking to the software industry and, um, and understanding how Scrum and Agile both could really lend um, themselves to this. And what's interesting about that in, in design is that that was more, uh, more uh, comfortable for designers because it was more like they were doing already. Mm -hmm. And so it really took us uh, to that, to pull that stuff into the, into the last planner process. And that's what we, we just finished, uh, Stan Chu and I, Stan is another architect who's now the head of uh, hospitals in Ginsler down in LA and hospital design. And um, he and I put together a group and we worked with, uh, as Philippe said, we had some really significant other architects involved who've been using Last Planner for a long time. And they were able to bring their ideas to the process and so forth. And then we, we did a literature review to try to understand how that worked, uh, what was out there in the, in the common literature uh, in a more academic way, we'll call it. Um, sure. And uh, then uh, we basically pulled that together and started to integrate that into a paper, which actually will be published probably in a few weeks from now, actually. Oh, congratulations. That's a big I, deal to get a paper published. It's taken a long time and, uh, and we've had a lot of iterations and uh, it's not an easy thing to write about because we're trying to write about a process that um, is very well entrenched in the design world. Mm -hmm. It's the way you're trained in design and so on. And so what we're trying to do is integrate the scrum and agile approaches on that in that into that early on and make it um, and the and the most important thing about that we use what we call a Kanban board which um, and we use stories um, in his uh, presentations and and those ideas what what's important about that is that um, we we can then um, be a little less um, I guess you'd say rigid in the early phases of design um, and the contractor uh, as a part of our team uh, has a lot of input into the design early on in terms of constructability and some other things. But what's happened is that we've begin to evolve our design schedule based on the idea of how long it takes to make certain kinds of decisions. Uh, in the in the past, again, what people did, what architects did, is they they would uh, make up a schedule and add a lot of buffers. And in lean, buffers are waste, as we all know. Yeah, it's just contributing to waiting. And that basically is is it: waiting, paperwork, a variety of things. But in the buffers, what would happen is that uh, it really uh, they would make up that schedule, then they would. Uh, proceed forward with the design phase and contractors could never understand why it takes an architect um, three days to make a decision about paint, for example. <laughs> <laughs> so there was always an ongoing challenge from the construction side in that they didn't understand the culture in a lot of ways of the design phase. And so one of the things about the Kanban boards 
is they create a visual work environment. So when we make a decision about something, it's up on the board, it goes into the work in process, and then goes and is being worked on. And we can begin to uh, pivot a little bit if something isn't working, um, which a lot of times when you start with a blank piece of paper, you might go down a, a trail that doesn't work. And we call that set-based design. Um, and, and, and a variety of the pieces and parts that we've taken from the Toyota Way and Toyota production system, uh, product development, um, a variety of, um, let's call them uh, ingredients to this recipe. Um, and that's where the um, design and, and uh, last planner and design is now 2.0. And rep and and really identifies and and just and um, gives those uh, cultural differences uh, a nice value. Uh, people people understand it better, basically. So, no, that's great. I, I remember Bruce. You know, when we first started working together. You're jogging my memory here. Uh, you sent me a paper on Kanban, mm -hmm. and you knew that uh, I was a Scrum master and that I love Scrum. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you should probably still read this, Felipe. And I said, you know what, Bruce? I will. And I did. And it and it had uh, a lot of good visuals. And it mm -hmm. explained, you know, what some of the nuances. Because I had never, I'd never thought about Kanban separately. And for those of you that don't know, Kanban is like equivalent to having a, a sign or a card. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just so happen to have some post-it notes on the ready just in case, Bruce. Because you never know when you're going to need one. So imagine a card with some task on it or some scope of work on it that needs to be done. And it kind of just moves across the board in different categories of work. So you can see the work in progress mm -hmm. and the Kanban board, you know, for those that don't, who've never seen one before, just imagine visual management or a way like your outlook calendar. There are only, there are only so many hour slots in your work day, right? Mm -hmm. So just by, by nature, if everything you did was an hour long, and you only work some magical eight hours a day, which no one in construction does. But if you did, you could only fill up eight slots. And that would be like an equivalent mm -hmm. type of visual Kanban system. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's always been a really great exchange of information with you, Bruce. I feel like I, I benefit every time you and I have talked and you shared different ideas and we've poked around at different things. And it's, it's always been good speaking with you and talking about different things, especially Scrum. <laughs> Well, that paper that you're talking about was a very interesting one for me because we wrote it for the International uh, Society, uh, what's it called, the IGLC, International Group for Lean Construction. Uh, has a uh, uh, conference every year of a lot of academics, a lot of people from around the world, actually. Uh, and so we wrote that paper and presented it in Greece uh, because that was happened to be where it was that year. Yeah, just a great place to present a paper, right, Bruce? <laughs> a pretty nice deal. Yep, yep. Um, but but the important idea there was uh, we had three different um, um, three different case studies. Uh, the one I, you're talking about that I wrote about was one I was working with with Intel um, uh, up in um, and I was a consultant with a company called SSOE which is a large uh, multidisciplinary uh, A&E firm. And uh, the project was for Intel. And what we did is we, we 
convince them to understand that the Kanban board can give you a lot of information, not just a pretty picture about what you're working on, but you can basically see how long it takes to do things. Mm -hmm. And that really, from a technical standpoint, is related to what, what's called Little's Law. And Little's Law basically says, you can only do so many things in a day, which was what you were talking about a minute ago, because you have so much resources, right? So your resources can only get so much done. And most people are really bad planners. <laughs> and uh, the book that, uh, that Philippe uh, knows a lot about and, and uh, is what, what is I can, we can do uh, by, uh, we can do twice the work in half the time. That's right. Uh, shameless plug to Jeff Sutherland, one of my mentors. One of yeah, the art of doing twice the work in half the time. Right, which was actually the first book that kind of got us heading in this way at the at the BIM forum at the design at the design forum, excuse me. And um, so anyway, it was an ex interesting uh, experience because what ended up happening is the SSOE firm now has adopted this uh, worldwide on all their projects. Um, they wow. were able to balance out their manpower better. They understood labor loading in terms of the design phase. Um, and, and then what happens is it tells you pretty quickly, you can only do so much with the resources that you have. And, um, and so that the value of that is that you can get some fairly, and the, we talk a lot about this in the paper, is that there's some fairly good metrics from the Kanban board besides just being a nice tracking of your, you know, a to-do list. Sure. Uh, or uh, Jira, I guess, what are some of the boards that are out there? But oh, yeah, uh, there, there are many. But, Asana, and, Trello. And, and actually, SSOE adopted one called Combinize. And Combinize, hmm. the benefit of that is that you can do multiple swim lanes and it keeps track of them independently and then it combines them all into one. Oh, so, that is a, that's a nice feature. It's a phenomenal uh, way to do things remotely and around the world and so on. So we've, we, we always promote that idea, but you can also do it just by hand. Don't, don't, uh, don't convince yeah. yourself that you need some fancy software to do this. It's not that it's. That's why I like you, Bruce, because you know that uh, when I first started with this, I started by hand because yeah. I wanted to make a habit of it. And it wasn't until later that I evolved it to a digital software solution Right. Because well, I need it. We always teach it by hand to begin with because it's really the only thing that settles into your brain. <laughs> the computer kind of puts a, a little distance between your brain and, and learning in some ways. And if you're there by hand and with a group, you uh, learn it much better, much quicker, and then you can go off and use the computer uh, anytime you want. But yeah, I want to pick your brain on something, Bruce, that you just mentioned. When you were talking about uh, the designers and your experience back at SSOE, mm -hmm. do you, like in the construction side, like once the shovel hits the ground and we start building something, mm -hmm. we tend to, we still have these these old ideas about if we get behind schedule, we can just start using overtime and catch back up. Mm -hmm. And for mm -hmm. short, short bursts activities, it does work. But over the long haul, it tends to slow things down. Mm -hmm. When you mentioned Little's Law, I think it's interesting. 
it'd be good for people to understand like in a design house if the design gets behind schedule do designers work overtime do they (laughs) (laughs) uh but but it's also i think the um not unlike construction superintendents we 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 we've coached a lot of construction teams too Mm-hmm. And uh, the tendency uh, in the old world is to uh, by superintendents, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, but they tend to be the people that put the fires out, right? Yeah. And our feeling is we like to take the capes off of superintendents uh, so that they're not putting the fires out anymore by using last planner and some of these other planning tools, the lean planning principles, et cetera. Um, but the design side is a very similar situation and the designers work night and day so many times and we've ended up by using these approaches we're talking about, um, they, they have become much more, um, we'll call it normalized. And that, by the way, evolved from design school um, where you work night and day. I went to Cal Berkeley for architecture school for my master's degree. And uh, it was a a sprint, a nonstop sprint for three years, really. Wow. uh, To put together projects. And if any building in the the campus of Cal, you walk by the the architecture building and you would see the lights on night and day, weekends, Saturdays, holidays, whenever, because there was that kind of traditional approach to this. And in my firm, I just, uh, I really thought that was crazy. And I, and I pretty much wanted to figure out better ways to do this. And that's really where we got started with, with making our, our deliverables much more efficient, still being creative, still being very innovative. And, and so one of the things we found, by the way, in our paper, which I think is really an important finding is we did a survey, as I said, of some of the literature. And we found that a lot of the winning award-winning design firms were starting to use last planner. Um, oh, that is interesting. The reason they, uh, they appreciated that idea that, uh, that they could send their people home at night and still get a lot of work done and, and do that. And it goes back to Jeff Sutherland's book, doing twice the work in half the time. It's really about planning your work, understanding what you need to get done, making decisions that everybody can buy into and so on. Um, understanding your resources, understand. And in a design firm, and I were on a, uh, a Congress uh, a panel a couple of years ago. And the, one of the guys that I brought on that panel uh, is in a design firm in Iowa. And they've reset their whole design process around um, a new way of thinking in terms of uh, balancing their resources uh, and balancing their loads uh, uh, and using their resource, utilizing their resources more efficiently, utilizing Kanban and other things that we've been talking about. So, yeah, it's amazing what can be done when when people just think that uh, the way we're working today can be better, right? You just yeah. open up. <clears throat> yep, it's really it's really asking yourself what you're what you're unhappy with or what you're dissatisfied with and uh, saying, okay, how can we, how can we make this change? How can we improve what we're up to? Yeah. Human creativity, Bruce, as you know, 
it's one of those uh, forces of nature that seems to be limitless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to ask you too, you've had a lot of work recently. I've been following you on uh, social media. Mm -hmm. You've had some really good, interesting posts on tack time planning. Can you tell people that have never heard what tack time is, what it is, and, and how are you using it today in your practice? And tell people where to find you too. Like, where's your, where's your website? How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, yeah. The, the website is uh, uh, Sword Integrated Building Solutions. It's a, uh, we have some training videos. There's a tack time video, by the way, on uh, the YouTube. You can look it up. Please subscribe, as everyone always says. And uh, we want to, we're not making a lot of money on it at this point. We're just trying to figure out what people need. Uh, we have a field version of Lean we call Lean Unpack. Uh, which is done by the field team at lunch or noon or whenever, 15-minute exercises, um, six parts. Um, that, we have a little bit of free version of that on the beginning and a, and a four uh, subscription version on the, on the last three or four. So, uh, yeah, that's, thanks for asking. Um, the, so, yeah, TAC planning really is, I'm, and I'm getting... I've been um, aware of it for many years, and it's a part of the uh, Toyota production system, by the way. Um, and one of the benefits of TAC planning um, is it's basically creating the cadence or the cadence of a project and the project workflow. And um, so we've gotten closer and closer to uh, production planning in projects in the last few years. And one of the things I really began to see is that some things, um, uh, even projects that do the last planner and the other things we're talking about, um, still have a, um, you, you really need to create a much more um, refined flow of the project. Um, and that's what we do with tack planning. Um, so we wanna get that cadence going and by doing what we end up doing basically um, is we evaluate all the trades uh, work processes. We ask them how they're doing. We work with them to try to understand what their flow is. And then basically what we try to do is eliminate all of our, um, eliminate any um, constraints in the, in the uh, flow of their work through the process, through the project. So you don't have um, low overloading in, in uh, areas, in work areas. So it really works. Um, it's important uh, because construction is location-based. Um, yes. the, uh, location, the TAC planning that we talk about and how we coach it, it's, it's really understanding what you're doing with the density of workers throughout a project. And the good news is, and we're, we're talking a lot more about this now with COVID and the separation of workers, um, is you really wanna try to have only a few workers in spaces at a time. And then we, we schedule that through the project. Um, certain areas have more, uh, more activities than others, and we call that work density. So we evaluate the area with work density, but at the same time, we still only allow certain trades into those areas at certain times to finish their work. Now, it doesn't always work, but it works very, we found that it, it uh, improves the flow um, 
there's a couple of companies around the country that are doing this now. Uh, Bolt is one of them. They just did it on the big Cathedral Hill project with Southland in the Bay Area um, and um, BMW. And we're working with a German company called Dreesen Summer. And the product that uh, they developed was a um, uh, really great uh, last uh, tack planning um, digital project product that has built in a Kanban board and a variety of other things. And um, the idea there is that you can balance the workload across a project and, um, and uh, really uh, create that continuous flow uh, through the project. Yeah, no, it's great. That's a simple explanation, yeah. but it's uh, it, it it's it's working again. Another uh, big, another company that's using it um, is or a lot of the pharmaceutical companies, uh, uh, BMW, Porsche, a lot of different companies are using it for, and and in those cases they're fairly like a manufacturing facility is fairly straightforward. But we're, uh, we, we find it best used on like a school or on a hotel, um, those kinds of projects that are very repetitive in terms of, of their uh, locations. Yeah, there's a, a good analogy that a lot of, I've heard, I've read a lot of papers about it and we've got some folks experimenting with it that I know, some friends of mine. Mm -hmm. But I like the analogy that people often use, which is talking about the trains. Yep, so the, a, right, so they'll say like it's a train. So you've got like the engine, which is, you know, the the source, the goal setting for what the team is trying to accomplish. Like let's with the school, we're trying to build a, a school building so the kids can learn. Mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm. train might have like a layout crew at the beginning mm -hmm. and then right behind them, the next car behind them fueling it could be the uh, the footings or the excavation team, the mm -hmm. train, train car. And then the next car behind that could be, you know, rebar. And then the car behind that could be the, the concrete placers and finishers. Mm -hmm. And then so on and so on, all the way until kids are in the school. They're they're in the caboose, right? When it's all done, mm -hmm. they come right in at the end. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, for those of you not familiar with TACT, it's spelled T-A-K-T, -T, right, Bruce? Yes, T-A-K-T. -T. It's a German yeah. word, uh, a German word for... Uh, it's, uh, yeah, for, for cadence, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we'll definitely put links to uh, your YouTube channel so that people could check out your video on TACT. Yeah. For those that, that aren't familiar with it, that's an easy do. We have yeah. the technology, Bruce. I'll make it happen. We also did, uh, I wrote a paper, um, the construction blog. Uh, what's it called? The construction. Lean construction blog. Construction blog. Uh, I wrote a paper on it there. There's Adam Franson who wrote a, the initial paper on it. Uh, it's quite well covered in, in a variety of locations nowadays in, in a good way, in an introductory way. So you, yeah. off and you don't have to boil the ocean. No, and I think another good thing to share with folks, Bruce, and since you've used it with teams, mm -hmm. can, you sh can you give us any uh, contrasting information? Like what the, was typical schedule planned for the same type of work and then what did how much benefit did tack time bring to the team like as far as earlier or faster or less you know whatever right. the benefits are let me know yeah so the i'll just tell you quickly uh we in the paper that i do have on my youtube channel um which was a webinar 
Um, I basically, um, when we first started with a 475 unit apartment project down in Santa Clara and, um, and we were working on it specifically by that time on the interiors, we'd already done pretty much the shell and, and all that. So that was all finished, but, but now we were going to go proceed through the interiors. And the benefit of that was that the superintendent had a lot of work. Uh, he's fairly new guy meaning that he came from, he had been a kitchen uh, uh, installer before, and now was a superintendent for the interiors for this whole 475 unit complex. So really what it did for him was it gave him a picture of what he should do next um, by working with the trades. Uh, so I can't tell you that it um, saved hundreds of hours, but we did no. on, the, on the overall project because we had a whole project um, and, and meaning that we had it starting from the uh, exterior and, and all the uh, enclosure stuff, the roofing and it, so, so on. So we started way out at the beginning. On the whole project, uh, we made up 120 days of recovery time on that wow. project. So that can show you that- That's, the, that's amazing, Bruce. Mean project all the way through. Yeah. So it wasn't just because of tax planning, but uh, so yeah, it's very, it can be very, very beneficial to everyone. And it was in that case, that's kind of why we were called in because they were behind schedule and they really needed to figure out a way without throwing more resources at the project. They only have so many resources these days. Sure. You can't just load up a project with people. Um, they'll get in each other's way. It's unsafe. It's all kinds of reasons not to do it. But that was been the traditional way, by the way, is that people would say, okay, let's call that trade and bring out more people, you know, <laughs> to catch up. I think that uh, when you say the traditional way, a lot of people listening, probably nodding their heads, like we still do that today, <laughs> like in the construction industry, right, Bruce? We, we, we don't worry. We know yeah. it's sometimes like, uh, you know, we're, we're oftentimes, as friendly as we can be coaching people that are resisting to the, and some of these things, by the way, are counterintuitive. They are a little, for the first time, they're not easy to, to yeah. get your ground if you've been doing it one way for a long time. But what we found is very quickly people pick up the thing and they realize they're not working all the hours, you know, they're, they're less stressed. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I remember going to, uh, a two-day workshop in Berkeley at P2SL hosted it mm -hmm. and uh, they were teaching tack planning and we got to the part where we were leveling the workload yes like leveling resources this was something totally foreign mm -hmm. and there were quite a few superintendents in the mix and some design people you might have even been there I was I feel, there yeah I feel like you were there with me yeah and I, uh that's yeah. by the way that was put on by Dries and Summer and uh, the same company that developed this. And that's one of the companies that I've seen. I have checked very carefully around the country and the world. And these guys really know what they're doing. And so that's why I've hooked on their train. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes a big difference when you have somebody that's got some reps with the new process to help guide the teams. They can see really quickly where, you know, people don't know what the next step is. So that's, Mm -hmm. It was that uh, that resource leveling was just, you know, out of left field. 
So we're doing the regular last planner system, five connected conversations, Mm -hmm. and then they're inserting this additional conversation where we look at crew size, crew availability. There's a whiteboard involved. There are dry erase markers that get used. And then you figure out the magic of uh, maximizing for flow. And I think it's uh, it's pretty powerful. And because it can be location-based, Bruce, even though like a repetitive hotel is a good example, a residential unit or a school, I think when you break, I could see it being broken down by location on any project being very successful. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, and you know, when you mentioned that, um, the, um, process is worked with the trades, you know, the people, you know, the respect for people is our first, um, our first, one of our first ideals of the lean principles. And, um, that's what we're really working with is we're working with the trades. And, and if you have ever done a program, there's a, a lean training. There's a, a, a thing called uh, the um, parade of trades uh, where, you know, after having done that exercise or that simulation, you know that you can only do so much work if, uh, and the, and the roles that you take in that, in that uh, exercise, uh, by rolling a six or a 12, you don't really get any faster forward. <laughs> the average roll is 3.5. And that's what we, that's why we do the trade leveling, you know, the leveling. So is we want to make sure that people aren't ahead of themselves finishing work before the work is ready to go. Um, you know, and, it, and it's very deep. It's not just this kind of short descri- description. Now we, we talk yeah. about we're definitely not doing it justice right now, but it's, it's, we, hope, we just hope to get some curiosity around trying to do it. If you're a superintendent out there listening or an architect in design, especially in production design, yeah. you can definitely apply some of these concepts and, and make it a lot easier for your people to deliver the quality that they want to deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you're right. Uh, this has become uh, one of my favorite things to look at. Um, and, uh, because it really solves a lot of problems. I don't just do it just to have a new and shiny thing in front of me. It really is, uh, clearly solving problems, but I will say that we still have to start at the beginning with most of our projects uh, because a lot of people, I haven't been doing all this stuff. And, uh, so these, uh, improvements that we benefit from tack planning, um, it's not that advanced, I must admit, too. But at the same time, as I say, it really solves problems. It makes things way more uh, production, much more uh, flow and much more efficient. So, mm-hmm. It definitely does. No, thank you for sharing. And uh, I know that's going to spark a lot of curiosity with folks. And we're going to have to uh, put links to your paper. We'll figure out a way, Bruce, to make that uh, available Yeah. through some creative linking. I'm sure we can. Yep. Yep. And we'll have, uh, as I said, the uh, Last Planner 2.0 is a series. It's not just about design. There's, I think, five sections. Um, uh, the, the interesting thing is Last Planner has been out there for 20-some years. And so Glenn did <clears throat> what he called a retrospective. And um, that retrospective um, uh, really took him through, okay, we've seen this happen and be used for 25 years across the world. What can we do to improve it? 
And uh, so we, we, we individually went through with expertise in different areas um, and tried to figure out uh, the next version of this last planner 2.0. Yeah, no, it's great to see it evolving. Like even in the uh, on the agile side, the Scrum framework and some of the other agile uh, systems that people use, mm -hmm. they do get evolved. They do change on some quite regular basis. Mm -hmm. So it's good well, to that, see. That's what you're great, a great uh, champion of agile and Scrum, and and uh, have been are uh, well known around the world now <laughs> as a as the uh innovator in that area it's very it's very valuable for construction they're yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. for construction there's yeah there's actually uh i'm not sure about the timing when this show is going to be published but they're we're working on a project with scrum incorporated to do a webinar that's going to just be construction scrum people sharing stories about how they've used it and i'm, I'm fortunate enough to, i'm lucky to be a panelist to be speaking about it my experiences with it over the last half decade plus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's well, taken you, it's taken me around the planet that's for sure yeah yeah it's been great yeah so bruce is there anything else that uh that we might not know about you that you want to share with people listening that are thinking about adopting especially for people in design since you have so much design experience is there any advice you'd want to give to new designers coming into the construction industry now? Hmm. Well, I'd say keep, keep your eyes. Oop, there's, there's Siri. So the, the question, Bruce, uh, let me, let me put Siri to bed for a second. Good night, Siri. The question <laughs> is for, for new designers coming into the industry or yeah. even, even older designers listening to the show, like, Hey, I, I know some older designers listening to the show. Thank you for listening. Make sure you hit that like button. What advice would you give somebody that's thinking about adopting some of these lean methodologies on their, in their work? Yeah. Well, for new people, um, I think design has been taught um, uh, in the same way for many years, for centuries almost, um, since the Beaux-Arts and, and all those time frames. And so for, for new people, make sure that you come in with your eyes wide open. There are firms around the country, really good firms, uh, HKS, big firms, little firms, Canon Design, a lot of different firms that are actually using and implementing Lean in their design process. And uh, so keep your eye out for that and uh, go learn from them. And for you older guys uh, and gals, uh, you know, there's a tremendous amount of, uh, of uh, opportunity to learn through the uh, design forum, which is basically held twice a year sponsored by P2SL from Berkeley. Um, and there's one in January usually and one in June. Now that's changed a little bit. We've been doing them virtually now. But, but there are some really great resources for engineers, not just architects, but engineers are coming to those and, and offering. And what they do, and like the Lean Congress, the design forums, et cetera, they're really offering their personal experience with personal examples. And uh, it's, it's a very friendly, uh, and I walk away every time, as many years as I've been doing this, uh, that we always learn from that few days of meeting with, those, with everyone. 2020 Congress is gonna be virtual. Yep. And uh, Jeff Crichton is the, the current chair. He's got a great team 
Uh, I'm the scrum master helping the team. The team did accomplish more than twice the work in half the time. Scout's honor. It's an amazing to see uh, LCI adopt scrum in Congress planning. This this is the second year in a row mm-hmm. that they've had that, and I've been lucky enough to be asked back twice. Yeah. Uh, if I'm a good boy, maybe I'll be asked back a third time, Bruce. What do you think? Are my chances high? <laughs> well, you may have to have some disciples come and help you. <laughs> like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think uh, the plan for next year is it's going to Phoenix. Ah. So it's going to be closer to you. That's you might right. even be able to drive there. <laughs> no, I, don't, I still fly. <laughs> <laughs> I could drive. Yes. It's not that far. It's about eight hours, actually, from where I am. Yeah. No, that is good. And have you, uh, Bruce, in your experience, especially now in your practice, what kind of changes have you have you had to pivot with going virtual versus in person? Well, we actually really like it. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I think I mentioned before we started that I've used, I used to teach, and I still do, the AGC Lean courses. And uh, we just are putting those all in, online right now virtually. So you can still get the Lean CM. Uh, we just had a conference this week with all of the instructors from around the country. And so your local AGC uh, will offer a uh, virtual course where you can take the course over, I think it's 38 hours and get the Lean CM certificate, which has really turned out to be, for me, when I first did it, uh, both teaching and, and learning about it, it's great. It's like a graduate course in Lean and it's concentrated. Um, and when I first came through Lean, we had a little bit here and a little bit there, and it was kind of uh, a mix. But what we've, what the Lean course does at the Lean CM through the AGC is, and, and also, by the way, I will say LCI shouldn't, I don't want to short circuit LCI, but LCI has some really great Lean courses uh, online too. So there's, there's a lot of oppor- opportunities to learn uh, that you don't have to go out. And, and so back to your question, I uh, have enjoyed it uh, because I can get out and ride my bike here in Santa Fe um, or take a hike with my dog uh, quite easily. Um, It used to take me when I was in the Bay Area sometimes uh, two hours to get to a job that's only 40 miles away. So I can't uh, say strongly enough that I'm happy not to be commuting to those projects. No, it's good And I can fly to San Francisco where I had a project recently. Um, In the morning, I get on the plane here and uh, arrive in San Francisco at at 8 a.m. and ready to work for a full day at the San Francisco airport. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really good, Bruce. Good good perspective and a fast pivot just shows that infinite capacity for changing and creativity. Another positive example, another great data point to see your your creativity is unlimited Bruce I like that well you know I'm not the youngest guy in the world and it just keeps those old brain cells working you know I've, I've been doing all this stuff we've talked about with lean and and uh, just setting up the cameras and figuring out what to get and how it works with zoom and how it works we're using uh, GoToMeeting a lot uh, and also uh, Microsoft Teams on a few of our projects, and so we've we we're learning. It's not easy, 
Uh, We're going to have a workshop uh, in about two weeks in Oregon, which I'm not going to attend physically, but we're putting together all our exercises for that workshop in a lean way. I mean, in a virtual way. Nice. So. Yeah, we'll make sure we'll, uh, when you put that out there, Bruce, make, uh, let me know. I'll, I'm following you on social media. I'll make sure I reshare that for folks. Uh, getting a new perspective is priceless. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I would work, I wasn't as lucky as you to be exposed to this better way of doing things so early on. I worked uh, for quite a, quite a few many years before discovering these lean concepts and other alternative methods for design and construction. And it's been very transformative ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to give credit to, I was with a company called White's Construction um, at the time when we first started with BIM. I was the national uh, BIM uh, manager, leader for, for setting up BIM throughout their company. We had nine offices. And uh, at, at the same time, we were implementing lean. And so what we did is uh, three of us, a senior superintendent, myself, and another um, couple, another guy who was the VP of uh, operations, uh, we basically called ourselves uh, managers of, continue, of uh, operational excellence. And so we'd go around and on every project and we'd offer our services. And if they didn't want it, we'd say, okay, we got plenty of other places to go. (laughs) (laughs) What uh, decade was that roughly, Bruce? (laughs) Well, that was, we started, I started in 2006, uh, 2007. That's pretty recent. I mean, that was like, in my mind, 2007, 2006 was yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we also, that was when the, the, the Lean Congress was in Boulder, Colorado, and we had some uh, 40 people at the most. And this wow. last couple of years, we've had 1,500 to 1,600. Yeah, people. almost 2,000. Texas breaking a record last year in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. And Fort Worth proper, uh, nearly 2,000 people coming together from all over the world. And I think they had more than 15 countries represented as well. And so I, I want to just briefly say um, uh, a shout out to um, Greg Howell, who passed away just recently. Uh, he was one of the co-founders of the Lean Construction Institute with Glenn Ballard, an amazing guy. Uh, we, we had some, you know, he just flipped my uh, interests uh, in terms of this stuff because he was so thoughtful and so uh, generous with his ideas. So, uh, and, and we lost a great guy there, but, but he really contributed to this worldwide movement you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think the, you know, other people, other thinkers like Elihu Goldratt, mm-hmm. who's famous for writing the goal. He also published a little paper called on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. And we're definitely Bruce, you and I are, are carrying forward some of the things that Greg taught so many people. Mm-hmm. The outpouring that I saw when it was announced that he had passed away earlier this year was unbelievable worldwide. Oh, I yeah. mean, just worldwide people from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough. I went to Ireland last summer for the IGLC meeting and he was there um, and got to say a few things with him and chat with him a little bit. Um, and there are, uh, there were quite a few other what we'll call senior leaders uh, in the BIM, uh, I, I mean, the lean uh, thinking there. And uh, 
it, it was a great opportunity. I'm thrilled. That was at Trinity College. Couldn't ask for a better location. Yeah, it was beautiful. So, uh, uh, I love the way that the you were there. Yeah, the the way that the uh, our Irish hosts introduced Glenn and Greg as the grandfathers of Lean, <laughs> with so much love, reverence, and respect, was just something that uh, that I keep with me in my mind and think about often. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, yeah. I mean, just just the way they conducted meetings was so great. You know, where where you have a speaker, they would speak. You would ask people to hold their questions. You you'd give the key takeaways, uh, write them on the board, and so on. And then you'd have your questions after that. I mean, just that one little thing was really, which we did at every Congress, by the way, until it got too big to do that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's been uh, it's become like worldwide phenomenon, and mm -hmm. it's people like like Greg Howell and Glenn Ballard and Iris Tomlin and, and so many more like those that you mentioned. I mean, there's just been, and, and for many different industries too, not just in construction, but there are definitely plenty in that space. Yep. Um, it's been a journey and uh, I'm enjoying it. We were with the, uh, speaking of journeys, we were with the original Google headquarters project. That's where I went uh, and joined Turner and the 49ers stadium, a few things. In fact, on my, uh, on my uh, uh, YouTube channel, I have a little video where I interviewed all of the main people from Turner about their experience as on an IPD project and how they, and including the senior superintendent all the way through uh, to the project engineers. And so that's a good thing to look at if you're interested in IPD, there's some reality there few reality checks yeah. so nice integrated project delivery for all of you listening that are just amazed at all the acronyms that we throw out there right. are many i try to always uh, make sure we say the acronyms at least one time for people that don't know right and that was another thing by the way at the at the lean meetings if you didn't understand something you raised your hand in the meeting and said i don't get it what are you talking <laughs> And that was called pull the andon cord, which was taken right directly from Toyota. Yeah, and it's grown. It that that tradition's grown. Bruce, on, the, on a closing note, to just close it all out. Yeah, I mean, when you and I came together, it was great that we're operating in a space where Glenn just basically called his friends and said, uh, "We're making this little team to work on Last Planner. You know, four people using it to improve it on how people are using it." And just like so many other spaces, like the Lean Construction Institute and others that you mentioned at Berkeley and some of these other places where people can come together like IGLC and just have like an amazing collaboration. It's a great story. And I think it's not every industry has that luxury of having these little think tanks come together, totally voluntary, people like you and I getting put together, working closely together, forging strong relationships. Um, that's something really positive and makes me very hopeful. But uh, yeah, I just want to thank you so much, Bruce, for coming on the show. You've been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And and my dog didn't bark too much. No. No, your dog did not. What's your dog's name? Shout out to your dog. <laughs> I put her in the bedroom so she wouldn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Addie. <laughs> Addie. Yeah. yeah, Addie was well-behaved today. All right. All right, Bruce. Thank you so much. 
I will stay in touch with you and yeah, keep on making it better out there. All right. We'll keep going. Thanks very much again. Take care. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build. <laughs>